0: participating in worship. I hope you're grateful that you can participate, that you can enter into his presence, that you can worship the Lord and he hears your prayers, he hears your praises, he hears your concerns, he hears it all. He hears our hearts this morning. And I'm so glad that you're here and you're online and, and I appreciate you joining in and just just keep participating, keep receiving, keep shouting praises to him throughout this service because you're, you're a part of our time together. Just a couple of reminders. Uh, we have a clothing drive that's coming up. It's uh, happening now. So I know I told Terrence that it's time. To, she made me bring up a couple of the winter clothes. She says, I have no clothes, toe shoes. Any other women have that issue this morning? Like, oh, no. (laughs) Get down there and get the boxes out. Well, as you go through that, think of others. And we don't, as it's probably been stated here before, people don't need, if it's trash to you, it's trash to them. But maybe some good things that you say, you know what, I'm going to bless somebody else. Household items. I love that uh, we're working with Hope and Friendship to give out boxes to soldiers so you can bring items and if you need more information about that you can contact us in the office but please do that as that's coming up and the men's retreat is this weekend. I'm believing God uh, actually the men's retreat starting this morning and I'll explain that just in a moment but this weekend we just wanted to spend time with as men and so please uh, we need to give a kind of a final count today. there's a waiver form a couple of waiver forms if you can fill those out today and leave them. That's great. If you don't have time for that, please let Pastor Mark know that you're coming so that we can turn in a number. And as always, if you want to give, you can give now online, and you can give as you leave. It's just an expression of worship, and so we encourage you to remain faithful to the Lord. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being faithful to your missions pledges. Last week, we had a wonderful time with missionary Joe Lair, and I hope you were encouraged and reminded Needs that are out there, and that you're just ready to give. You're ready to be a cheerful giver. Well, as I stated, I wanted to begin the men's retreat uh, actually this morning. I've touched on this message a little bit, but I have not actually preached this important message that I'm going to give to you. And we're going to, it's a message that takes weeks to go through. And so this morning, I'm just going to give you just the basis of the message but the men will get, will dig deeper into this message that you're going to hear this morning, so please hear this, but it's an important message that everyone here needs to hear, and so that's why I, I wanted to give it to you this morning, and as we look at this message, I want to begin with the very first community, we, we are still talking about embracing the community, and this message that I'm going to give you this morning is, if somebody were to ask me, what's the biggest problem in our community, I would say it's in this message. If there's one issue that you could tackle in any community, it would be today's message. It wouldn't be substance abuse. It wouldn't be our economic issues. It wouldn't be education. It would be this issue that I'm going to share with you this morning. This would be the number one thing that I would attack in any community, and that we're going to begin to do. And we we've, we've been doing it. So I want to look at the very first community that actually, yes, had no problems. Animals were not eating animals. Humans were working together, and God Almighty literally walked around this community. In Genesis chapter one, I'm going to read some verses. You know that that this is the community that I was referring to in Genesis chapter one, verse twenty six. And then I'm going to read some verses in chapter 2. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 19 says, So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the wild stock, all the birds of the sky, and all of the wild animals. In the very beginning, Adam had a perfect identity. He knew who he was. He knew he was created in the image of God. There was no questions in his mind of why he existed. Then he had no doubts. He had no worries. He had no concerns. He had power. He had authority. He had perfect peace. He had the presence of God. And He ruled the garden. He controlled the garden. He worked it. And then God decided to test His intellect by bringing the animals to Him. And He said, now, Adam, I want you to use what you have, and I want you to give these animals identity. And we know from Scripture He not only gave identity to the wild animals and the birds and the fish, but He also gave Eve her name. He also gave her her identity. So from the very beginning, God has given man the job, the privilege, and the responsibility for giving identity to creation. He's given that responsibility to you and I, men. He has called us and he's given us the highest calling that we can have on this earth. And that is that we give identity to our children. Give identity to our wives, we bring identity to this world. In this world that we live in today, we have a lot of lost people that don't know who they are. Or they think they know who they are, but it's a lie. It's not true. And so from the very beginning, God has used us men to give identity to people. And it's not just a name that we give them it's a revealing of who they are now specifically what what takes place is when a father is given the privilege of seeing their child it's as if the garden of eden is eden is replaying that story again and that god is bringing that child to their father just like god brought the animals to adam and he said adam I want you to name these animals. And the same thing happens, dads, when that child is brought to you, and God is bringing this child to you, and he's giving it to you as a father, and he is saying to you, I want you to give them my identity. Now, this goes beyond a name. If it was just giving the child your name, I would have failed, because I didn't give Alexandra her name. I was still fighting in the in the delivery room for Christina, right? But somehow Tara won that battle in the delivery room. I gave in, and every mother said, good job. (laughs) If it was just giving a name to a child, that would be easy. But it's more than just giving a name to a child. It's revealing their identity. It's exposing what's inside of them. It's showing them why they were created. It's giving a child the blueprint for living life. You and I, dads have an important responsibility. We give identity to children, and it takes time. It usually takes about 18 years to do this. It's as if a God brings to you this child, but it's really a puzzle. It's one of those 10,000-piece puzzles, and he's saying, Dad, here's a puzzle for you, and with my help, you're going to put this puzzle together, and this child is going to know who they are. There's, now, think about this. Think about this. Again, think about Adam as I expressed to you. Adam, he had no doubts. He had no questions. He had no worries. He had all power. He had all authority. Why? Because he knew who he was. He had full identity. He knew he was created in the goodness of God, and the goodness of God came out of his life. Now, you transfer those thoughts to your children, and you tell me what will begin to happen in our community. When you begin to have children and little boys and little girls knowing who they are in God, knowing that they were created to be loved by God, knowing that they don't have to worry because God takes care of the birds and He's going to take care of them, knowing that God has made them in His image. Not the image they see on television. Not the image they're watching on their phones. Not the image they see on commercials. Not the image they see at school. But the image they discover in the Word of God. The image of Almighty God. Parents, you tell me, what kind of hope you have if your kids know who they are? You should have all the hope in the world that they will be overcomers, that they will produce great things for the glory of God, that they will be builders in the kingdom of God. But what are we seeing in our world today? Are we seeing that? We are seeing children living in doubts of who they are, we are seeing children fighting each other. We are seeing kids worried and afraid. We are seeing children take their lives. I used to, uh, in, in uh, my time in Utah, I, I would go to public schools, and I would for over 20 years I spoke in public schools, and one time I met this couple whose junior high son committed suicide. And that is a normal story now junior hires taking their lives. It's happening all over America. It's because they don't know who they are. They don't know that they were created in the image of God. And I want to share with you something as, as dads. We've kind of been given this responsibility of saying, oh, you're just supposed to put a roof over their head. You're supposed to just put clothes on your children's backs. Just keep their tummies filled and you'll be a good dad. And the reality is, that job description falls short of what we're called to do as fathers. Here is the ultimate goal. What God was doing in the Garden of Eden is he was setting a pattern, and this is the pattern that God had established. The pattern is that when when those animals came to Adam, Adam was representing God to those animals. was giving Adam the permission to give them a name. He was giving him permission to participate with God Almighty in creating the world. And that's why when God brought Eve, the Bible says he brought Eve to Adam, Adam gave Eve her name. And I want to share with you men that you and I are God's representatives to our child. And the ultimate goal of a father is to give the identity of God to them. It's to open up their eyes and to share with them that they were created to be loved by God. Plain and simple. You were created to be loved by God. No, you weren't created just to get good grades. That's a part of it. But there's something more important than that. No, you weren't created just to, to have nice clothes. No, no, no. There's something deeper inside of you. There is a longing for inside your heart. And I want you to understand what's inside of you. Why is it that you want people to look at you and think that you are pretty? Why is it, young boy, that you want people to know you are strong? There is something inside of you. It's the identity of God that's inside of you. It's not that you're supposed to be a superstar or a rock star or an awesome athlete. That, If God chooses to do those things, that's fine, but there's something deeper inside now, there is a book that I would suggest for every man and every woman to read, and it's called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Now, it's not the Bible, so you don't have to accept everything that the book has, and, but there is a premise in the book that I that, it, that uh, confirms what I'm sharing with you, and it's based on God's Word. And according to John Eldridge in the book Wild at Heart, he declares that every boy is born with this question, do I have what it takes? Now, this makes perfect sense when we look at boys, and they're little, and they're play-fighting each other, and they're wrestling each other, and they're playing, you know, cops and robbers. You know, they're constantly trying to prove themselves. Am I strong enough? Am I tough enough? Come here, Dad, i got to test my strength out. They have this question, do I have what it takes? John Elbrich also wrote a book, I didn't like this book as much. I'll just give you the premise of the book. You can still read it. Uh, there's some still some good things in there, but I didn't like it as much. It's called Captivating. And it's about the woman's journey. And that women, a girl is born with this question, am I a beauty worth fighting for? Am I a beauty worth fighting for? That every little girl is born with that question inside of them. And according to the, these books, It's the job of the father to answer those questions for their boys and for their girls. And they're supposed to, and it's something, again, it's like giving them a name. It's not as easy as it sounds. It's not something you do over one weekend. It's not something you do the first three years of their life. It's not something you do just in the elementary years. But it is something you do... For their entire life that they had, that you have with them, that you bring affirmation into their life. You bring identity into their life. And it's through the process of revealing their identity that you love them and you care for them. Remember what I told you, man. Who are you? You are God's representative to your child. So this is what should be happening. Your little girl should be recognizing that, wow, I am being protected by this man, I am being loved by this man, I am being for by this man, I am being disciplined by this man. Discipline is something we are lacking in our society, especially in our American society. I'll just say this, and and I'll just say this. I was sharing with somebody the other day, I went to school in Joliet, Illinois, and we still got paddled in school in the 80s, and I'll just leave that there. Wait, maybe we can go out to coffee and talk about that later. But all I know is this. We still need discipline in our homes. And I said discipline, so don't try to equate what that means. You know, you go to God. And understand, at the end of the day, children need discipline. Because as the child receives that discipline, they're being loved. I remember I had to discipline Alexander. And I, I can tell you this, and this is not a pat on my back, But I have disciplined her one time, and I did it in a store. I'm like, oh, my God, we got to get out of here. The cameras are on." But do you know what my daughter did? She got into my arms, and I held her. And she was holding me as I began to talk to her about what she did and what she wasn't supposed to do. And to this day, now she knows that I love her when I say no. She knows that I care for her when I stop her from doing something. When I make sure she understands I mean what I say. We are God's representatives to our children. And there are some longings inside children. There are some deep questions inside of a child. And we look at children, and we look at them through simple eyes, and there's a part of that that, yeah, I don't want to take that away from your parents. I'm just enjoying the simplicity of life. With Alexandra, I love that she can have fun doing nothing. (laughs) I love that I don't have to spend thousands of dollars right now for her to have fun. You know, we could just do anything if she has fun. So I love that part of her. But I also understand there is something deep inside of her that is going to take time to cultivate. It's going to take time to reveal. It's going to take energy to expose to her who she is and how she was created in the image of God. Now, here is the problem. Here is the issue that we have in America. Dads are not doing their job. We have two problems, really. First of all, we have the, let me talk about this problem, and then I'm going to show you some statistics about the other problem. The first problem is, dads don't realize the importance that they have in a child's That it goes beyond money and food and vacations. It goes beyond all of that. And the central focus of a father's job is to be God to them. Not Not the God, but to be Godly to them. To be like the Father to them. To represent God to them. And help them to see, this is who you are. But fathers don't realize that. They're busy working and they're... Trying to they, because they didn't get their question answered. And this, goes, this cycle goes all the way back for thousands of years of fathers not passing down identity to their fathers. So we have dads in our world today, their identity is in their job. Their identity is in their wallets. Their identity and their affirmation is in their strength and in their power. And so what are they passing on to their children? Well, son, this is how you work. Well, son, this is how you get strong. Well, son, this is how you stand up and fight. No, no, no. There's a greater calling that we have it's to be like God. And God, He didn't have to fight at all. He just died on the cross. And He won us. That, that's a big difference. There's a big difference between fighting and loving. There's so many issues here, right? So, you know, I can't talk about them all today. But so fathers are not doing their job in that area. And number two, there are millions of children who don't even have a father and millions of children who are being abused by fathers. They're doing the direct opposite of what they should be doing is loving children, and instead of loving them, they're abusing them. And I want for a moment, I want us to deal with this issue uh, because I need to show you some statistics. This is the result of fatherlessness, If you don't believe what I'm saying and the importance of a father, look at what happens when there is no father in their life. Let me give you these statistics. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists motivated with displaced angers come from fatherless homes. Seventy-one percent of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Eighty-five percent of youth in prisons grew up in fatherless homes. Seventy-five percent of all adolescent patients in drug treatment centers came from fatherless homes. Is the job of a father important? Yes. Is the job of the father being neglected? Where is it being neglected the most? The United States is the world's leader in fatherless homes. The United States, not some third world country that doesn't have money. Not some area where they've forgotten God, where you can't worship God anymore. It's not in some country where you can't preach the gospel anymore. It's not in some country that's still, you know, needing well water and digging wells. No, it is the United States of America. We are the world's leader in fatherlessness. Is there a job to do? Yes. Would I love to keep you all here for about three or four more hours? Yes. But I believe God's Spirit is working. So there's two things I I, I want you to do. Number one is, dance, mentor your children. I didn't say feed them. I didn't even say tell them every day you love them. I didn't say give them the best. uh, You know the best material things this world has to offer. No, I said mentor your children. Mentoring your children takes time, takes efforts use, investing in them your life, your knowledge, your care, your understanding, your experiences. You have, man, every one of you, every single one of you have a wealth of experience in your life. And a part of that wealth is to be given to your children and sharing with them, you know what, this is what happened when I was a kid maybe a part of that story is, you know, I wish I would have done this. Or at least telling them this is what God's Word says you can do now. I, I had a wonderful father. And I'm going to express and during the, this mentor retreat, I'm going to be sharing my story of my life with my father. He's a wonderful father. But I was not mentored as a child. And so when I walked into the school, I had some memory verses from Sunday school, and I had some Christian songs in my head from kids' church, but I didn't get the mentoring in my life. I didn't get the, son, I want you, this is what's going to happen when you walk into school. This is what the kids are going to say to you, and this is what the kids may show you, and this is what the kids may try to make you do, and and I want to explain to you, and I want to share with you from my life, this is not what God is wanting you to do. You are created in the image of God. You are holy, and you are righteous, and you live a life of love and care for people. So do you know what, Son? You know, a lot of your friends are probably going to be talking this way, but you were made in the image of God, and you speak life. You don't speak death. It takes time. It takes moments with them and sharing your life with them. We need to mentor our children. We need to prepare them for the fight. There's a fight out there. you know that? There's a fight for truth out there. Children are battling truth in elementary school and in preschool. They're battling truth. They're trying to figure this out. Well, what's really true? Bring them here on Sundays. We'll help you bring them on Wednesdays. I love my daughter. She was already quoting her memory verse from Awana's on Wednesday night. I get excited about that. And of course, we were doing that before, but you know, it just gets me excited when I know not just, she's to me representing not just her life, but representing the children of this church, quoting scripture. And then it's, and I did that too as a kid, but then I spent some time explaining that scripture to It's not good enough just to quote it, but give life to it, give experience to it, give care to it. We need to mentor our children, and we need to mentor other children. We will be committed in this church to mentoring other children, and we're going to do our very best. And I'm asking you to pray with me, to help me, to serve with me as we serve our children. I know some of you do other areas of ministry in this church. And so if you can't serve in kids' ministry because you're serving in another area, I get it, but you can still pray for our children. On Wednesday nights, when you're at home, would you spend some time and just pray? Say, honey, the kids are at church. Let's pray for them right now. There's some kids from the community there. Let's ask God to touch them right now. God, let's ask for those kids' leaders to have the strength to invest in them right now. they probably had a long day. They don't feel like mentoring a child right now. They just want to play a game and go home. But God, give them the strength to mentor other children. Would you do that with me? Would you commit that? We need to do this. And the last thing I want to share with you today, and let me just say this again, there is so much to this message, and we're going to keep scratching the surface this Friday and Saturday. I'm going to open up my life. I'm going to open up what I've learned. I'm going to open up what I believe God's taught me. So if you can make it to the men's retreat, please do it. It was one of the most life-transforming things I ever did when I replayed my relationship with my earthly father. It's the most important thing on earth that you could do. Here's Here's what I'll say to you. There are a lot of people who have influenced your life, but there is only one person who has influenced you the most. It is your earthly father. Now, if you never had an earthly father, that influence is impacting your life. And for some of you out there who never had an earthly father, maybe you had a grandfather who was your father. You had a mentor who was your father. And God does provide that life. But the most important person and the most important relationship any human being can have on this earth is with their earthly father. And when I took the time to replay my relationship with my earthly father, things began, the light bulb started going on in my life. I started understanding my weaknesses. I started understanding why I get angry. I started understanding why I get frustrated. I started understanding why I was selfish. I started understanding things that I needed to work on. I hope every man in here realizes you have some work to do. We have some work to do. If you walked in this room saying, my life is good. I'm a good guy. I'm not going to cheat on my wife. My kids love me. I'm going to go to church and I'll listen, but... Wait to go to lunch. I hope every one of you walked into this room saying, Lord, I need more. I need more of you. I need you in my life. And so with that and with that, I'm going to close. What I would want, I would want, and I'm going to pray for all everybody here and everybody online, is that they would recognize their need of affirmation in their life. Let me ask you this question. What really motivates you? What really wakes you up in the morning? What causes you to, to just say, today I'm going to get up, I don't care how I feel, and I'm going to go out there into this world. What is it that's pushing you? What's inside of you that gives you the energy? When everybody else is in, encouraging you, what's inside of you that's giving you encouragement? I hope... What is motivating you, what is giving you strength, what is giving you power, what is giving you purpose, is your relationship with God the Father. That you are receiving affirmation from Him. That you are praying every day, God, I need you to father me. I come to you as a child. I'm going to go out into this world where you said there are wolves and there are lions and there is an enemy out there. And I come to you as your child and I say, Father... Love me, sustain me, affirm me, give me my identity. And the reality is, we live in a world of people who are living a lie, who don't know who they are, and have false affirmation in their life. They're working really hard because their affirmation and their identity is in their wallet, in the workplace. You have spouses flirting with spouses because they feel like they're being affirmed and their identity is in their sexuality. They didn't realize they have an identity in in the image of God. And so because of the sexuality that's inside of them, they feel like flirting with one another gives them their identity, gives them that affirmation. They think, oh, this is who I am. This person is making me feel good. It's not my spouse. Boy, this feels really good. Because... They've never come to the God the Father and say, "Say, God, I was born in a sinf- with a sinful nature. I need you to discipline me. As my Father in heaven, I need you to correct me. I need you to change me. I need you to work in my life. I need you to expose those things in my life that, if I don't get fixed, it's going to be a big problem. If I don't fix this, Lord." And when you see this, I just, again, this reminds you again of your children. As a father, you have to care for your child's spiritual walk. You have to, and I know, parents, you're seeing it. When you look at your child, I'm sure you have these moments, and you're thinking, oh, man, they're acting just like her mother. And the mother's like, oh, they're just acting just like their father. And I tease, but there is some truth to that. And I, I see it. I see to my daughter, I'm like, oh man, that's how I was as a kid. God help me to help her. It's not just cute, it's something to be worked out. May God help us to be people who mentor and people who are mentored. God, would you mentor me? Would you love me? Would you care for me? Would you stand with me? And just in prayer, and I'm going to pray over you online, and I'm just going to ask God that you would just receive this message, that you would begin to call upon God, and that you would begin to seek after Him, and that you would not ignore this message, you would spend time thinking about it, please. And I hope, you know, if you can't make the men's retreat, I'll get phone calls this week saying, hey, can we go out to coffee? I want to know more about this. I'll be glad to to do that. I'll have hot chocolate and you'll have coffee. But it's an important message. So, Father, I just ask you now to work in our lives. This is a day that you have made. It's a day that is not just another number on the calendar, but it's a moment in your presence. It's a moment where we can know you and love you and receive from you. And I pray that everybody here and everyone online would receive this message. And I ask you, God, that you would begin to speak to hearts, and I pray, Lord, that you will help us to take a difficult journey, a journey where we replay our relationship with our earthly father, a journey where we begin to recognize areas in our life that need to be fixed, areas in our life that need to be healed. Areas in our life that need to be changed and transformed. I pray, God, that we would recognize that there are areas in our life that we need to talk to somebody else. We need to talk to another believer about. I know it's. it's, I love talking about the weather. I love talking about sports. I love talking about where you've been eating at lately, and that's kind of our normal conversations with each other. I'm asking you that in this church, we all will also have deep conversations with one another. And may may this be one of those discussion starters. Talk to me about your relationship with your Father. And I pray, God, that you will bless us with a great men's retreat, that you will speak to lives, that, Lord, you will just touch lives and help us to hear your voice, to come to you, to be loved by you, to live in the identity of our Creator without any worries, without any doubts. That we will live just like Adam in perfect power and perfect authority. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. We will see you next week. Thank you for being here.